temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. On the line is Odyssey NFL insider Ross Tucker. Insider calls brought to you by Old Spice Men Have Skin Too. This guy has more jobs than Seacrest. I gotta do American Idol. He's an Ivy League alum and a cheap plug pro. You wanna make sure all of your great listeners start worrying about following at Ross Tucker NFL. It's Odyssey NFL insider Ross Tucker. And Ross now joins us on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. What's up, buddy? What's up, Nick? How are you? Very good. Happy NFL playoff week to start. Yeah, what's uh, give me the mood of the city. Are people as amped up as they should be? So that's a tricky question. I, I think I I think we're a little split. I think there are some people who are are maybe just not enthused about playing the Texans instead of more of a you know maybe Pittsburgh or Baltimore or Kansas City you know a high level team. I think some people have just not had to care since the Jets win. And then I think there are people on the other side who are who are trying to get the party started every moment. So I, th- I think it's pretty split on how jazzed up we are. You know, I think is interesting, and I know you guys know this, but the NFL cares very much about their television windows, and so the least sought after television window is Saturday at four thirty. So that's where they put what they believe is the least appealing game, right? Mm -hmm. And I would say if that's the case, then, man, we have a really good postseason coming up because I'm fired up about that game. I mean, I'm actually going to be in the booth Saturday night for Westwood 1 for the Dolphins at the Chiefs. But I already told my producer, like, I want to get to the stadium before that Browns-Texans game even starts? Because I don't want to miss any of it. I mean, and the thing I love about the Browns-Texans game is I do feel like whoever wins that game, I feel like they have a puncher's chance to win the next week, right? Whereas, like, I don't feel that way about Pittsburgh. I just don't. But with the way Flacco has played and the defense – and the way C.J. Stroud has played, it's not outside the realm of possibility at all that they could go in the next week to Baltimore and win the game. Now, they won't be favored, and, you know, obviously it wouldn't be likely, but I know this much, Ravens fans would not be happy to see Joe Flacco and the Browns come into town. 
that kind of makes me want it even more. Uh, so I guess I just start here. I mean, it is the I think it's the closest of all the AFC wild card games at a two and a half point line. The Browns are the favorite. Do you expect the Browns to win on Sun uh, on Saturday? I do. I do. Uh, you know, it's always tough to beat a team twice in a short period. I don't know why it is, but it just is. You know, I think we just saw that with the Eagles who beat the Giants on Christmas and then two weeks later lost. It just is. I you know, things change and maybe it's human nature. I don't know. So that that's a negative for the Browns. And obviously, it's going to be a very different game. The Texans will have C.J. Stroud. They'll have Will Anderson. It looks like Nico Collins is 100%, obviously, after what he did to the Colts. So it should be a different game. That said, the Browns thoroughly dominated that game. What I like about it from a Browns perspective is they were kind of able to rest some of their guys, obviously, on Sunday in Cincinnati. And they've been gearing and prepping for this game now, more or less, for a couple weeks. And I really think that they believe, especially because of Flacco, that they could go on a run here. Flacco's going on a bunch of playoff runs now, man. I mean, the stat where he's going to break Brady's record for road playoff victories is super impressive if they win on Saturday. I mean, that, that's, you know, that is a huge feather in the cap of any quarterback, a road playoff win. So that goes very well for Cleveland, whereas the Texans, and they would never admit this or anything like that, but there's got to be a little bit happy to be there, right? Like a little bit, a lot of celebration. We won the division. A bunch of them probably went to the national championship game Monday night because it was in town. We won the division. We're hosting the home playoff game. It feels to me, and of course, you know, they put that behind them right away, and we got the next game and all that stuff. But from a psyche standpoint, it just feels like the Browns have been more focused on this game and going on a playoff run, whereas the Texans has got to be a little bit of kind of happy to be there, happy with what they've already accomplished going on. Ross Tucker on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Insider calls brought to you by Old Spice Gentleman's Blend Body Wash, providing exfoliation plus 24-7 moisturization because men have skin too. You and I have been saying that for a while there, Ross. Um, so you mentioned the 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 run here. What does that look like with Joe Flacco? Is it a mirror image of the Super Bowl run where he was flawless with the ball and not turn the ball over? Or is there an in-between that and what we've seen with roughly two turnovers a game from him in his five games? Yeah, I think it's kind of an in-between there. You know, he's probably going to turn it over once, maybe twice a game. The question is whether or not the Browns' defense and Flacco's positive plays can overcome that. My guess is they probably can against the Texans. And then, you know, these next couple games after that, seems likely it would be in Baltimore. That's a little bit different. But, you know, we've seen teams go both ways when they have a bye, like the Ravens do. I was there in 2019 when they were 14-2 and and Lamar won the MVP and they had the number one seed. And the Titans took it to them on that Saturday night. So we'll see if that happens again. 
Ravens are obviously awfully good. But there's some Ravens players that have been around for a while, too, that they're probably not thrilled if they have to go against Cleveland. Very familiar with each other. Flacco's not afraid at all. And the one thing we've seen consistently over the years is if you have the best defense or one of the best defenses, you absolutely have a chance. And I could see Schwartz and this Browns defense getting after Lamar Jackson in that game. Ross, if we look at the wheel of possibilities for the Browns in the playoffs, it is out in round one against Houston. It is out in the divisional round. It is make it to the AFC title game. It is potentially make it to the Super Bowl. What do you think is the most likely uh, playoff path for the Browns just as we enter the playoffs this week? Yeah, I think out in the divisional round. I mean, they'll be, they'll be pretty significant underdogs in Baltimore. I think that there's two-thirds chance, in my mind, that they beat the Texans, one-third that they lose, and then the following week, probably about the same, just the opposite, two-thirds that they would lose to the Ravens, a third that they could beat them. Um, so it's certainly possible. And, man, I hope I get to call that game because I think it'll be an awesome game, but I think that's the most likely, losing the divisional round on the road in Baltimore. So with that, I am I am curious here because obviously the specter hanging over this conversation that we don't have to have because he's not playing is the Deshaun Watson trade. But yet, they still have assets from the Browns that are contributing to this. I mean, I, the, the Will Anderson pick wasn't used or wasn't the pick that the Browns uh, – wasn't one of the Browns' picks, but they used that pick to trade up to get Will Anderson. So I'm just curious from – Talking about this, does the specter of the Deshaun trade still hang over this game despite his absence? I think a little bit from the Houston side. I don't really think that it's – I mean, you'd have to tell me, but I don't think it's much of a a deal from the Cleveland side because he's not playing. It's not really about that. But, yeah, for the Houston side, it's, hey, would we even be here if it wasn't for the Watson trade? And, boy, look how well that worked out for us. You know, we got all these picks. We got that guy out of town. We didn't have to pay him that money that Cleveland's paying him on the guaranteed deal. And we got a younger, better quarterback. I mean, it's worked out incredibly well for the Texans. And I go on in Houston every week, too. And that's some of the talk down there is just how, how fortunate they are, how well things have worked out much to their surprise since the whole Deshaun Watson saga. You know, and they had a couple of real, real bad years. I mean, real bad years. And they've kind of popped through the other side. Ross Tucker on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Um, moving to some of the other stuff in the NFL, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on the firing of Mike Vrabel and the parting of ways with Pete Carroll in Seattle. Well, the Vrabel one is really interesting because most fans like when their team fires their coach, right? Like, you usually only fire the coach if things didn't go well, you didn't win enough games, whatever, right? And so usually fans are excited about change. They welcome change. They want change. It's, it's a high percentage 
that are in favor of firing the coach. Even in cities where they don't fire the coach, that's usually the default mechanism. Man, if you look at the reaction in Tennessee on social media of moving on from Rabel, it's like unanimous that Titans fans aren't happy about it. They loved Vrabel. They thought he was an awesome coach. They are not happy with this move, which is really interesting. And they don't blame him at all for what's going on with the franchise. They remember him saying that A.J. Brown, they won't trade him as long as Vrabel's the coach, and then they did. And they knew how that would go over, and they know what the result of that was with what A.J.'s done in Philadelphia and the success the Eagles have had. So it's a, it's a bold move, I would say, by the owner because it's not popular at all. I mean, maybe they don't care, but they did not take the temperature of the fan base before making this decision, that's for sure. Which septuagenarian coach would be a better hire for NFL teams this offseason, Pete Carroll or Bill Belichick? Wow, dude, you're so proud of yourself, aren't you? I am. I used an how Ivy League word. You, how proud of yourself are you for using that word right there? Uh, I did Google it as we were talking just so I could make sure I was going to say it right. So not as proud as I could be if I just knew it right off the rip. Yeah, I understand. But at least you did Google it. You got it right. Uh, I think most people – that's a good question. You know, I haven't really taken the pulse of people from a Pete Carroll standpoint. But it feels like Pete Carroll is well-respected, well-liked nationally. And I think, especially like in Southern California with the Chargers, I think a Pete Carroll hire would go over very well. Whereas, you know, because there's been speculation for weeks, I've been on in Charlotte on your former station. I've been on in Washington. They don't want Belichick. They don't want him. Now, that doesn't mean it's not the right decision for those teams or that they won't hire him, and maybe if they hire him, the fans will change their tune. But based on my conversations and based on how the last couple of years have gone, especially this year, fans are not enamored with Belichick. They, they don't want Belichick for their team. Ross, uh, Adam Crowley, who is a part of the morning show on 93.7 The Fan uh, down in Pittsburgh territory, he, uh, he's one of the hosts there, and he, he's suggesting that in the city of Pittsburgh, up until about 4.30 p.m. on Sunday, that uh, Yinzer fans and Pittsburghers don't order chicken wings, order boneless wings. He's, he's suggesting a citywide boycott of Buffalo wings. Is that suggestion charming or chotch? Well, boycotting chicken wings is charming. Suggesting boneless wings are even a thing that exists or even an option, that is chotch. There's no such thing as boneless wings. Those are flavored chicken nuggets. Mm -hmm. And anybody that doesn't realize that is farcical. I mean, give me a break. We know that there's like... Have you ever seen a chicken? There are bones in the wings. Okay. If you're getting boneless wings, those are processed, breaded nuggets, which is fine, 
But don't call them boneless wings. Call them what they are. They're barbecue or hot or medium flavored chicken nuggets, and that's fine. We can live in a, we can live in that world, but call them nuggets. Don't call them wings. So you've never had these uh, these boneless nuggets? I've had them. Yeah, I've had them. People have ordered them, or they've been at a party or whatever. I've had them. It tastes it, fine. I don't this mind is basically like how a, people talk about pot. By the way, I, I've never bought it. But it's been around, and I, you know, if somebody else bought it, I would try it. Um, well, that's not true for me. But <laughs> I, what I would say is um, I have not bought boneless wings. But if I'm at a party or if I'm somewhere and someone orders them, like as an app, I'll have them. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's buffalo-flavored chicken nuggets. It's barbecue-flavored chicken nuggets. They're fine. So is that They're what you would call it? They don't it? taste as good. Is that they don't what you, taste as good. Real quick, is that what you would call it if you ordered it at a restaurant? What? Uh, barbecue-flavored chicken nuggets. No, because I wouldn't order it at a restaurant. All right. I would never, ever order that at a restaurant. All right. So you're, you're giving me, this is what you people in the media do. You people. You give me a false hypothetical that tries to paint me in a corner and tries to put me in a bad spot, I will not answer that question because I would never order quote-unquote boneless wings. I would order real wings, and really, I would order, if I could, the drums only because drums are much better than flats. And obviously, as a society, we know that. Ross, you're also a member of the media. Just you, you peopled us. You also are a member of the media. Just as a reminder, there. I don't ask questions like you do. I don't ask leading good questions, hypothetical trap questions like Nick Wilson says does. The the bet at Nick Wilson says on all your major, including a YouTube channel at Nick Wilson says. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, you mean winning questions, Ross? We appreciate you, buddy. Later, dude. Later, dude. A little bit of news to pass along your way, by the way, as uh, Aaron Wilson. Uh, longtime NFL reporter, formerly of the Houston Chronicle. Now he is with uh, with Pro Football Network. Um, he is saying that, uh, and I just X'd out of it because of my big-ass fat fingers here, uh, that that Will Anderson, Jonathan Grenard, and uh, there's one more player here that I'm trying to think of, are not practicing today. Noah Brown and Jerry Hughes. No, Oh, J- so three of their best edge rushers, not practicing for for Houston today. That's pretty significant. Um, this is it's funny because their schedule is not is a little different than the Browns. Like yesterday would be the Browns Wednesday practice. They did it a day early, bumping up their schedule. But so this is clearly their Wednesday practice. So I don't know we should put that much into it. But I'm gonna tell you right now, if Grenard and Anderson miss this game, this game's gonna be a it it, it the Browns should be more than two and a half point favorites. Because the equalizer in this is you've got a great quarterback in C.J. Stroud who can kind of have has like that magic to him like Mahomes has, like Burrow has, like franchise quarterbacks do. But they those two kids specifically are elite pass rushers. And I just thought it was interesting hearing Ross's Tucker by uh, Ross Ross's Tucker Ross Tucker's take on this Houston game. I I want to get to it in in a second, but we also have Mark Stein reporting. That uh, that that the Miami Heat have what was the, what was the exact wordage? Well, yeah, he says the Cavs are resistant to trading him, but the Heat have bona fide interest in Donovan Mitchell. Bona fide interest in Donovan Mitchell. I bet they do, and I bet they're not willing to give up uh, 
Tyler Hero or uh, who's the young wing? Jaime. Jaime Jaquez. Jaquez. Those two guys, guys here next to uh, uh, Darius and Evan could be a lot of fun. I'm not saying that's what I want to have happen. I'm just saying that wouldn't be bad. But I guarantee you they probably don't want to give up that. Miami seems to be interested in every superstar so long as they get them for a song. Yeah. Hey, we'll take that great player you have. So long as we don't have to pay for them the proper uh, proper price. It's why they missed out on Donovan in the first place. Who who was the big acquisition that they didn't meet this offseason? Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard, yeah. They balked at paying the price. Well, keep not winning an NBA champion, you bastards. All that being said, I thought it was interesting to hear how Ross talked about this game and in the Flacco side of things. And... He seemed a lot more confident that Joe Flacco is going to go on this run, that, or that Joe Joe is capable of that run. I think he's capable of it, but like I, I just look at this and say like this game specifically. I actually think Flacco might be as important as the defense because they they one they're not great against the run as you saw with Jonathan Taylor in the week 18 matchup in the win over the Colts um he had a ridiculous day against them they're also not great at stopping the deep pass like i mean i i don't think i don't think any of us forget what they were able to do uh what Joe Flacco was able to do with Damari Cooper some 3 or 4 weeks ago so i think there's a real opportunity here i don't know you're going i don't know Joe's going to have it I don't want to say it's easy because Will Anderson and John Grenard, if they play, make this a much tougher matchup. But if those guys don't play, Joe Flacco might be able to single-handedly throw you into a victory. And I don't. There's not a lot of times we're going to feel like that's the best case to win. Like in Baltimore, it's it, it, in a hypothetical Baltimore matchup, it's going to be more important that he protects the ball than he throws the ball over the yard. Um. Kansas City, Kansas City and Miami might be a little different, but like specific to Baltimore, you can't make mistakes against that Baltimore team and and especially in the playoffs and be able to beat them. It, it because you you're also dealing with kind of facing Lamar yourself, a guy who can one you make one mistake against him and the game's over. But specific to this weekend, this feels like a great game to to rise and to 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 run the Joe Flacco stock through the roof if they don't have the young edge rushers I mean forget about it but even if they do and those guys are banged up Joe should be able to get that deep playoff uh the the deep passes going and I don't say gaudy stats but have the kind of stats we've become accustomed to with him which is somewhere in 300 yards and multiple touchdowns and you get that in a good defensive performance not a great but a good defensive performance and you'll be going to the second round of the playoffs. I also thought it was interesting. We, we, you know, we asked him about the specter of the Deshaun trade. It's not a storyline today. It's not something any one of us are really thinking about today. It only becomes a conversation piece in Cleveland if the Browns don't win this weekend. If if you don't win this weekend, there's this is going to be one of those revisionist takes that comes up. People are going to be saying, not only are we stuck with a $230 million quarterback who we don't know if he can stay healthy through a full season, who we don't know if his shoulder is going to to come back to life, not only are we stuck with that, but they just beat us with, with some of the assets 
that we paid them to get Deshaun Watson. I don't know how widespread that take's going to be, but it absolutely it will be one of the first thing out of analysts, out of, and it'll be the first thing that honestly people say around the water cooler. It'll be the thing that people are texting each other like, "Man, I can't believe the team that gave up Deshaun Watson two years ago just beat you." With a guy like Will Anderson, who even though you know they had the thirteenth pick, I believe this last year, and that's not the pick they used on Will Anderson, but they used the thirteenth pick and this year's first rounder from them to get up to take Will Anderson. So in a roundabout way, Will Anderson is a part of the Deshaun Watson trade. In the end, I'm not all that concerned about it. And in, in a way, this is the one way. Listen, I don't think you can be I don't think I can be grateful Deshaun isn't out there. Because that would have entailed that Deshaun played the rest of the year and that you would have won 11 games. And if you had won 11 games with Deshaun and you were going back to Houston, guys, we'd be feeling incredibly rosy. Because uh, to win 11 games, Deshaun would have had to be good, great, whatever. So we would have been closer to the trade being vindicated. But in a way, the only silver lining or one of the silver linings to that injury other than Joe Flacco playing the way he is, that we don't have to have this conversation. And honestly, guys... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Guys, I think the NFL is more relieved than Browns fans are. This The, the Browns having to go on the road to Houston and Deshaun's first playoff game as a starting quarterback being against his old team in the town where he committed the alleged actions that got him suspended and you know sued to Wazoo and back. I think the NFL is quite happy that Joe Flacco is on this miraculous run because it does avoid them some uncomfortable optics here. Now, in in the end, at some point, that's going to come. But specific to this week, because it would be in Houston, I would I that water cooler talk. I bet you Roger Goodell's not too bummed that 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 greater conversation doesn't have to be had. Big news this week, Mike Vrabel is on the open market. The transfer portal delivering some of the best players in the nation to Columbus. The most recent one was Quinshawn Judkins and Seth McLaughlin, uh, both SEC players coming to Columbus. Uh, maybe maybe Seth McLaughlin wouldn't be one of the best players in the portal, but Junkins was. Um, myself and Spencer German break down the big college football headlines of the new Sons of the Shoe podcast. And honestly, guys, I had a come-to-Jesus moment with Buckeye fans. So if you are a disgruntled Buckeye fan, wherever you get your podcast, I have some truth that you can get a taste of it at Nick Wilson Says, but you can get the full taste on the Sons of the Shoe podcast, and that can be found on 92.3thefan.com, the Odyssey app, 
uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, make sure to check this one out because this one is explosive. And not just that, Spencer and I, Spencer, Spencer, very nice. Me, I'm me. But we're toe-to-toe on the state of the Buckeyes after the Michigan win. We also talk about the Michigan win again. Follow Sons of the Shoe, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. But speaking of going toe-to-toe, I, I've taken a couple shots of the morning show this week. Now, in fairness, I was led to water on the Landry Locker, Ken Carmen thing where I honestly thought I wussed out in yesterday's pulse. And I had to come back at the end and give my real take because I was wussing out because I, I love Ken and I didn't want to upset Ken. Well, I also love Lima and I definitely went at Lima yesterday and actually, we were texting about it after uh, he had kind of rebuttaled me on air. You'll get to that in just a second. You'll hear that in just a second. But, like, I went hard enough at Lima that I tried to make sure we were actually okay. Because I thought, like, I, I, I accused him soft. And I, I used some other language on the, the Sons of the Shoe podcast that maybe Lima caught, not necessarily astray, because it was intended at him, but maybe I went too hard at Anthony Lima, who is just a concerned citizen. And after calling him and other Ohio State fans soft, he rebutted me today. I got apparently accused of being soft because I'm the one that's brought this up for three years. Guys, I told you. I told you that opening was starting to widen three years ago. So to hear, once the ball has been spiked, that I apparently can't go after the team and the coach that allowed this to happen, I guess I don't understand what we're arguing then. If you never think anything's a big deal, well, yeah, you can come on the radio every day and say nothing's a big deal. Maybe that'll make your fans and your listeners feel better about Ohio State's situation. But I'm here to tell you, I just saw one of the worst things to ever happen to my life as an Ohio State football fan, and it's Michigan winning the national championship when we had a stranglehold over this rivalry for the better part of 15 years, and you're telling me I'm the wrong one? Who's the wrong one in this argument? Maybe it's the guy that's telling everybody it's never a big deal until it's the biggest damn deal in recent Ohio State history. This is the difference between me and Nick. Nick didn't get the text messages from all the Michigan fans. I've been getting them for three years years. I went to Ohio State. I have Michigan friends in my life, much like you have Pittsburgh Steelers fans all over your life. I saw this coming three years ago. I hate saying it. I was worried about this. And so while I'm saying it at the time and people are poo-pooing it and a bunch of Ohio State fans were calling me like, you're not a fan. You're not a believer in Ryan Day. I'm like, no, I I see the opening. I'm a little nervous that this is going to get worse. And it got worse and it got worse. And so while Nick keeps pointing out the record, 56 and eight, the eight especially the three of those eight, they cast a much wider shadow than the eight. So, one, does Lima think I don't have friends? Because, I mean, well, I got these Ohio State friends. I got these Michigan friends. I also do have friends that went to these schools, and I also do get texts. Now, granted, Lima's circle is pretty wide. And so I do give him credit. Like, I I think he probably speaks to more Ohio State fans or Michigan fans than I do. I saw it was funny. It was like, I get these texts. Nick doesn't get these texts. Nick gets these texts. He just doesn't care. That being said, like, I, I guess my point is, I just, like, when other people talk smack to me, it really doesn't affect me that much about, about like, sports fandom. Like, very rarely will somebody trigger me on fandom. And so we start there. We start, I do have friends, and I just want people to know that. Although I might make one less in this rebuttal to Anthony Lima, I I don't know where I've ever said it's not a big deal what's going on at Ohio State. 
I just think the sky is falling thing is for the birds. I think there's a massive misunderstanding of what's happened between Michigan and Ohio State the last few years. It has not been Ohio State slipping. Their recruiting hasn't changed. They're consistently top five, right? They're consistently winning at just about as high of a level. I think I think Ryan Day's regular season mark is like 88% winning. And I, I know that's not the end-all be-all because he hasn't beat Michigan and he hasn't won a national championship game. That's fair. But to say he hasn't won anything would also disregard winning a playoff game and actually haven't beaten Michigan before. So where we where where Lima and I disagree is not at no point do I think this doesn't matter. But this sky is falling, panicky nonsense. Guys, this has more to do with Michigan glowing up and getting back on the proper level than it does Ohio State taking taking a step back. This is perspective. This is a perspective. Michigan, too many people got drunk on the idea of beating Michigan's ass forever. Did you not expect Michigan to glow up or that some coach was going to be able to step into Michigan and turn that program back into who it had been for most of our lives? Did we just expect that Ohio State was going to be the big brother definitively? I'm saying winning every single year. Because one, not only did I not expect that, two, it wasn't fun. Like those, the, like, yes, Michigan people probably are texting you, me, and everybody else that knows Michigan people and talking some smack. But when it's one loss or two losses in a row, it's more palatable. But we've gotten to a point where all of a sudden, Ohio State fans, this fear of of losing their prominence, they're still top 10 every year. And so has Michigan glown up? Yes. Has Michigan become, at this point, the better team in this conference? Yes. Do I like that? No. Does Ryan Day need to fix things to make that better? 150%. That is fair to say. But the sky is falling, the fire Ryan Day stuff, that's panicky Pete crap. And guys, it's not easy when other people talk crap about you. It's not easy when you have to be on the bottom of the totem pole instead of the top. Totally get that. But there's some difference between things not being great. That's where Ohio State is. And the sky is falling. Ryan Day's biggest failures. Here is three biggest failures in the last three years to me beyond just the obvious beating Michigan. One, he completely miscalculated his and threw off his own quarterback. I mean, what was a dynasty until Kyle McCord this year? He had played it perfectly going from Haskins to Fields and then to C.J. Stroud because he put all three guys in the top 15. He actually deserves credit for that, by the way, but he deserves criticism for it falling apart this year with an inferior quarterback who, honestly, guys, without Marvin Harrison Jr., would be a really nice Mac quarterback. But I digress. His second biggest sin this year was hiring just, or sorry, three years ago was hiring Justin Fry, who to this point, the offensive line has been embarrassing. And so when I watched Ohio State versus Michigan, Michigan had a slight edge of the defensive line. They had a resounding edge on the offensive line. It was embarrassing how how bad the offensive line played this year. And if either the quarterback or the O-line was better, you probably would have, I don't want to say you would have beaten Michigan, but that game would have looked a lot different, in my opinion, if just one of those things was better. He has focused all about the sexy picks, the wide receivers, the skilled players, and he's forgotten about the trenches. 
And not to, um, by the way, just as a side, this isn't one of his three biggest sins. Also, it'd be nice to get a Nick Bosa, a Chase Young, or a Joey Bosa back on the defensive line. But his third biggest sin was underestimating the rivalry. Ryan, Ryan Day was 100% born on third base. And he thought he was responsible for the run that they were on. He took for granted. And not just he, Ohio State, them, they, they took for granted the ass whoopings that they administered to Michigan for the better part of 15 years. The, all three things need rectified. But where we, where we part, right? Because I gave you the criticisms. Where we part is that I think Will Howard has a chance to be better than Kyle McCord. And I'm not going to run him down because he played in, Man, in Manhattan, Kansas. I'm not going to run him down because he, he isn't uh, Justin Fields 2.0. Where we part is, I actually think they do have some opportunity to just naturally get better by returning the guys they have. Where we part is, I think they're going into next year, and I think they're wide, wisely positioned and, and well-positioned to beat Michigan. But where, where Lima and I part most is this doomsday, sky is falling, woe is me crap. Nobody wants to be the little brother in the, the relationship with Michigan. But the comparisons to John Cooper, the comparisons to, oh, it's coming apart. No, Michigan just got good again. The rivalry just got good again. And the gap between where Ohio State is, where they were, and where you want them to be is not as significant as where it was where, with Michigan when Jim Harbaugh took over, where it took him five years to take them from an 8-9-10 win team to being a national champion. Actually, it was longer than that. It was eight or nine years to be a national champion, but a true playoff contender, a team that could beat you in the trenches, it took them five years. That's the difference. We agree it ain't great in Columbus. It needs to get better. But the sky is falling, fire Ryan Day, Mike Vrabel, the fetishizing of Mike Vrabel, who's never coached a single game in college football, that is the soft I'm talking about. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. 